Today, I'm so honored uh, to introduce our guest who's going to be kicking off our series on scent. Um, many of you know uh, Dan and Alicia DeRosiers and Paisley. They've been a part of our church. Uh, Dan has been a part of our church since it started back in 2005. And God has placed his hand on Dan and Alicia and Paisley and have called them into missions. Dan and Alicia and Paisley are currently in the process of raising money so that they can move to Spain. Uh, and Dan is going to become the director of International Media Ministries, whose vision is to accelerate the gospel of Jesus Christ through media. Spring Valley Community Church has already taken on Dan and Alicia. Um, we support them for $400 a month um, as people coming from our home church. We also do the same for Paul and Kristen Mathias. And this morning, we wanted you to hear um, from Dan and Alicia and Paisley. Paisley's not going to preach because um, she's like not even one yet. Um, but Dan is going to share with us, and um, I know you're going to be blessed as Dan just talks about God's work in his life and what he might do through your life. So would you join me in welcoming Dan, Alicia, and Paisley DeRosiers? Hi. <laughs> She's very narcissistic. She claps for herself. I do that too sometimes before I preach. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Joe. It is, uh, wow, it's really great to be home. Can I just say that? It's incredible to be home. Uh, we have not been here. I counted this morning. It has been almost six months to the day since we've last been at Spring Valley Community Church. July 6th, 2014 was the last time we were here, and we're a little bit emotional <laughs> because it is so wonderful to be here with you. I'm Dan. This is Alicia, our daughter Paisley, and God has powerfully called us uh, to the greatest adventure we have, she's saying hi to you guys, the greatest adventure we could ever imagine <laughs> with our lives. She's very friendly. God is moving us to Madrid, Spain to work with international media ministries with the goal, as Pastor Joe said, of accelerating the gospel through media. Now those of you that know me know I'm a little bit of a nerd, uh, just little bit. And um, you all know, though, throughout your own lives that media is very powerful. I mean, think about the last uh, commercial that you saw, for example. Uh, maybe it was an Olive Garden commercial. I know Pastor Joe loves Olive Garden. So think about those commercials with, with these smiling people sitting around steaming bowls of pasta and those breadsticks and whatever it is that they put in that salad. I don't know. It's, it's some drug that they put in there and uh, everyone's so happy and they're just they just want to be there and you you want to be there or uh, maybe it's a cruise commercial where you see people and they're all smiling and, and they're surfing on the back of a boat and they're all having a great time and, and you just you just want to go on a cruise or for Alicia I don't get this but it's shoe commercials right and and she sees it's, she can spot a pair of shoes in a nanosecond on television, oh, did you see her shoes? No. No, I blinked. I'm sorry. I missed it. Uh, but, but she sees them and just, just loves them and adores them and needs them in every color. And not really. But what if we could use those same techniques that make people want to go to Olive Garden or be on a cruise or, or want a pair of shoes? What if we could use those same techniques to make people want the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to do. 
That's all I know how to do. I'm a video guy. I'm a nerd. And we're going to go to international media ministries. We'll, we'll do work in over 70 languages throughout Europe, Africa, and the Middle East with the goal of telling more people the precious story of Jesus Christ, the most important story that changes lives. On your seats, uh, we have placed uh, these cards. These are our trading cards, cash value, one twentieth of a cent. Uh, these are version two of the cards. We keep having to change them because Paisley keeps growing up. Uh, and we want you to take these. If there's extra ones around you, you can take them as well. If you wallpaper your walls, we don't really mind. Um, we would also like to just greet all of you that we haven't greeted so far, even if we have. We'd love to greet you after service and see you at the back. We have a, a banner over there. We also have coffee. How many of you enjoy coffee? Yeah, a couple of us here at Spring Valley are coffee roasters. Uh, I am one of them. And uh, I take credit for Isaac, who also roasts coffee. Uh, and I've been roasting coffee for five years. And we want to make available to you single origin, fair trade, uh, gluten-free uh, coffee. It really is gluten-free. Uh, we have it for $8 in the back. It's, uh, it's really good stuff, I think. And uh, we'd love for you to take some of that home with you. We take uh, cash credit cards, all major credit cards, wampum. Uh, and uh, if you want to trade a, a son or daughter, we won't do that. Um, so thank you for being here. Say bye-bye. Say bye-bye. Okay. Nope, she's shy. Just like that. Uh, I do want to thank you, Spring Valley Community Church, for being such faithful supporters of ours. Uh, and for your incredible generosity in the Christmas offering. That was just uh, above and beyond anything we uh, could have imagined and we're just so grateful for the church's monthly support and for the monthly support of some of our friends individually that are in this room. We just are, are humbled as God has called us that you would believe in us enough to put dollars behind that and uh, never thought that we would be the recipient of anything like that. In fact, Spring Valley has been ascending church since the very beginning. Uh, we've always had that as part of our, our core fabric that we were ascending church. Never in a million years did I think I would be the one being sent. I thought I'd die here. Uh, really, I, I, I mean, when we sat in that room uh, in uh, Daniel's living room in 2005 and I made Pastor Barry die laughing with the picture of the sacred cow and sitting there with Dick Gruber and Alex and Kim and, and just I never thought that I would leave here. We were enjoying uh, a wonderful life in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. We loved our jobs. I was working as uh, a professor of digital media at University of Valley Forge. And Alicia was working as the director of alumni at the University of Valley Forge. We love Spring Valley Community Church. We love our friends. We love our family. We loved our home. We felt like we were living the American dream. Unfortunately, I think sometimes the American dream can be counterintuitive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I wish that I could stand here and tell you that it was our dream to go into missions and, and to see the, the name of Jesus proclaimed throughout the world, but that was not on my radar. <laughs> I'm a musician. I'm a nerd. I pray for missionaries sometimes. Never thought. I mean, if, you, if I took a list of the jobs that I thought that I would do throughout my life, missionary would not even make the list. Not even close. And in May of 2013, I found myself leading a team 
of college students into North Africa through a trip that was sponsored by International Media Ministries called Go Borderless. And uh, through a series of events throughout the first part of that year, God had begun to change my heart and had, he had begun to uh, reveal to me that maybe someday God would use us somewhere around the world for what he would have us to do. Just before we left on that trip to International Media Ministries, the director of IMM resigned. And as we got there and kind of got settled in, I sat across the couch from Jerry Gibson and he looked across, from me, across to me and said, Dan, you know that uh, I've resigned from my position and they've asked me for a short list of people of who can take this thing over and I want you to know that I put you at the top of my list. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Come again? <laughs> uh, he had recommended me to succeed him at IMM. Now, he was a, a 25-year veteran in missions he had been leading IMM for four years. I was 30. I've had one job. I mean, I've worked at Valley Forge. That, that's it. That's all I know. And that night, just to, for, for due process, I prayed. And I made a deal with the Lord. How many of you know, don't make a deal with the Lord? And see, I didn't even know if it was okay. I actually, after I did it, I asked Alicia, I said, is that even okay? Like, is it okay? Here's the prayer I prayed. I said, God, if you want us to consider coming to IMM, I want someone to call me on the phone. See, most people are called into missions in, in, in a, a prayer time or at an altar or at a, a convention or a retreat. I wanted to be called on the phone. That's what I wanted. That was my condition. And, uh, and, and we, we prayed and really waited. We had, we, that was the beginning of the trip. We had our two-week trip. I came home. We were a little bit excited about maybe what could happen. And, and as, as the weeks went on, the, the luster wore off a little bit, as it tends to. The excitement wore off. And, and, and a month went by. And right at about a, a month and a half, we had just announced that we were pregnant with Paisley to our families. And we, I had my first kind of fatherly moment where I realized, oh no, I have to provide for this thing. I mean, it's coming. She's coming. And, and there's nothing stopping this from happening. And so uh, we, we, we looked at each other and we talked and, and we said, you know what? If God's not going to call us to international media ministries, then we need to put down roots and we need to settle down right here in Phoenixville. We need to buy a house. We need to commit to being here for maybe five more years at least. Because ultimately what we really wanted was for God to use us in the best possible way. I mean, I think many of us desire that. We just want to be used by God in the best way possible. And we were doing some pretty cool things at Valley Forge. We were, uh, I was helping with the digital media program there and, and seeing my students get jobs, praise the Lord. And uh, just uh, Alicia was enjoying what she was doing. We were involved in ministry here. We just wanted to be used by God. And so that night, we prayed another prayer, and I warn you again, the most cautionary warning I can, do not pray this prayer. It went like this. Now, this was after I closed my computer with all of the, uh, all the mortgage quotes, right? I was like, like shopping for mortgages. I closed the computer, went upstairs. We prayed this prayer, probably the most sincere prayer we have ever prayed in our lives. And it went like this. Lord, we are yours completely. Whatever you say to do, we will do. Wherever you say to go, 
we will go. Do not pray that prayer. Don't pray that prayer. At least don't mean it when you pray it. The next day, my phone rang. Ring, ring. It was Dr. Meyer. Oh, what's Dr. Meyer doing calling my cell phone? Hello? Hi, Dan. How are you? Fine. Dan, uh, Dr. Beery, who had been on the job like, what, three days? <laughs> Dr. Beery got a call from Assemblies of God World Missions asking permission to talk to me. Do you have any idea what this is about? As I well, drop the phone. Yes, I do. And about a week later, my phone rang, and the conversation went like this. Hi, Dan. My name is Paul Tremontosi. I'm the regional director of Europe for Assemblies of God World Missions. I'm not sure why I'm calling you today, but I just felt led that I had to reach out and tell you about an opportunity we have in Spain. That is what we call in the business a burning bush moment. Right? That was our burning bush moment. God had come through and had done exactly what we had asked. And uh, today I want to talk about the man who had the original burning bush experience, Moses. Uh, you know, as we went through this, we started to really find that our stories uh, match Moses' story in, in quite a number of ways. Now, when you think about Moses, this is probably what you think of, right? Let my people... Actually, let's just watch the video clip, what's happening right here. Let my people go. The slaves are mine. Lives are mine. All that they own is mine. I do not know your God, nor will I let Israel go. Who are you to make their lives bitter in hard bondage? Man shall be ruled by law, not by the will of other men. Come on, Charlton Heston, right? Let my people. Unfortunately, <laughs> This characterization of Moses is a complete Hollywood fabrication. I mean, if you, if you happen to crack open the Bible, and you happen to be in Exodus, and you happen to read the story, you know this is not exactly how it went down. I want to read with you the Reader's Digest version of what's happening here. If you'd like to follow along, I'm going to kind of skip around starting in Exodus 3, verse 3. And uh, here we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians. And verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Oh, this is fantastic. God appears to Moses in a bush. 
tells him exactly what he wants him to do, why he's going to do it. And he, he's going to use Moses to do something awesome. That sounds phenomenal. But Moses wasn't really into that. See, the problem was Moses had issues. Moses had major issues. See, at this time, Moses was about 80 years old. He had spent the last 60 years outside of the country becoming a shepherd. And the reason why he did that, I mean, we can track back in the story. Right? You remember Moses saved miraculously. Pharaoh killed all the babies. Moses' mom did the least safe thing she could possibly do. You know, the Graco water taxi floats him down. There was no five-point harness. Floats him down. And oh! He's picked out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter, right? Grows up in Pharaoh's home. And he's walking through the fields, about 20 years old, walking through the fields, minding his own business. And he sees something wrong happening. He sees the uh, Egyptian beating the Israelite slave. Now, I don't know about you, but I've overreacted a few times in my life. I know this. I have never overreacted to the point of murder. And that's what Moses did. Now, especially when reading the Old Testament, I think we can get kind of lost in the number of slayings and killings and 10,000 wiped off the planet. Imagine what it would be like to be Moses, minding his own business, and he, he overreacts and kills a guy. I mean, what if, what if you did that? Could you imagine the guilt that you would be living under to where you actually murdered someone? And this is what Moses has been living with for 60 years. That's why we find him in another country as a shepherd. He's run away from what, uh, what he did in his past. And now God appears to him, tells him what he wants him to do. And Moses felt like his past disqualified him from what God wanted to do through him. How many of us feel that way? That maybe our pasts disqualify us from what God can do with us. That's what Moses did. He tried to let it get in the way of his confidence that God could use him. And now I'm, we're going to read this absolute litany of excuses that Moses had, starting in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. God then goes on to tell Moses exactly how it's going to go down. He reveals his playbook. He tells him about the plagues, about the plunder, about how they're going to walk on to victory. And Moses says, but what if they don't believe me? Or what if they listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord then said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And so God <laughs> turns a staff into a snake, right? And then <laughs> back into a staff. Right, this is, this is impressive. How many of you have seen this happen? And then he says, hey, Mo, why don't you take your hand and dip it in your cloak there? So he puts it in his cloak and <laughs> leprosy, right, the most heavenly case of psoriasis to ever, to, and then the paraffin wax dip back in the cloak. Oh, healed. Right, God is showing off to Moses right now. <laughs> and Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent 
neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue and clearly of mind. <laughs> the Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is, is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Wow. Moses has the nerve to tell the God of the universe, don't pick me. Wow. Let's take a quick look at some of his excuses. The first one boils down to this. I'm not important enough, right? <laughs> who, who am I that I should go? Okay, this is a complete cop-out. You guys realize that Moses grew up in a royal home. Of anybody from Israel, this guy is the guy to go. He knows how it works. Now, granted, the Pharaoh, Ramses I, who had, uh, he had grown up under, had died, and now Ramses II in power. I'll give Moses that. But even if Moses uh, felt like he wasn't important enough, he would have known enough Israelite history to remember that God has this uncanny history of using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's God's M.O. So that didn't matter. Okay, his second excuse. Who should I say sent me? Moses did not trust his own testimony. He didn't trust that people would believe what was happening at this moment. Can we please be reminded that he's talking to a shrub? Right? He's trying to reason with a shrub. Maybe Moses was afraid of what people would say because of his past. Now, they're, they're not going to believe this. Right? They knew, and it was in fairly recent memory what he had done. He had, he had uh, a reputation with Israel. Oh, there's Moses. Oh, what's he going to do now? Are we sometimes afraid of our own past that we don't trust that God has changed us? Right? When God is at work inside of your heart, you don't stay the same forever. God does this incredible, miraculous work inside of your heart. That's my story. That's my story. I, I wasn't always uh, someone who, who had a heart uh, for the nations to see people all over the world saved. I was caught up in myself. God changed me. He changed me multiple times while I was at Valley Forge Christian College. I can tell you that. For, and any of, the, that, any of you that have known me for a number of years know, <laughs> oh, whoa, I was a little rough around the edges, even though I grew up as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. His third excuse, what if they don't believe me? Okay, this, this is a dangerous thing to do to play the what-if card. What if they don't believe me? Now, I will tell you this. Your call is not dependent on anybody but two parties. You and God. He calls, you respond. That's it. That's the equation. I mean, it's, it's not for other people to make the decision for us. Nobody can tell you that you're not called of God to do something. God calls, we obey, he does the rest. It's not dependent on us. <laughs> His next excuse, I, I don't talk good. 
right? Scholars think that maybe Moses had a speech impediment or a stutter or something like that. And, and I think sometimes we feel like we don't have the goods. We don't have what it takes to be used by God in a certain possible way. I'm standing up in front of you a year ago. I had never preached in my life. Well, once. <laughs> in two languages. It went on that trip to North Africa. I preached one time. That was it. I don't feel like I have the goods. I never took a preaching class. I got an 81 on my licensing exam. Everything I say, therefore, is 19% heresy, so be careful if you're taking notes today. <laughs> I'm not qualified to do this. But there's, a, there's a, a saying that is trite, but it's true. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. We can get caught up in our own insecurities, forgetting that God can do anything. Moses finally gets to the core of his issue. He says this, for real, just send someone else. Come on. He was so worked up with the thought that he wasn't good enough that he just shut off the possibility completely that God could use him. You know God tried to kill him after this? He's like, Moses, I'm sick of your excuses. And he tried to go kill him and someone got in the way. I mean, this is how annoyed God was of Moses' excuses. But after Moses had given his excuses, God asked him a question. And I don't think that question was, uh, was inconsequential. He said this, what is that in your hand? It's a stick. <laughs> it's a tree. If you want it, you made it. It's a tree branch. I use it to walk sometimes. Right? It's, 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 just, a, it's just a stick. It's just this this thing that I happen to have with me. You know how many times God used that stick throughout the deliverance of Israel out of Egypt? I mean, he turned it into a snake again, right? He used it to part the Red Sea and getting water from the rock. Moses then misused it a couple times. But this stick is used so many times. God used what Moses had to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. What is that in your hand? Maybe you're a, a teacher or a business person or a truck driver or a student or a nurse or a financial advisor. What has God given you that he's calling you to give back to him? <laughs> Just a stick. I can't preach. I certainly can't lead a, a million people out of slavery. I'm just good at making crafts or watching kids or lifting stuff. What's in my hand? It's a camera. It's a, cam it's a, it's a MacBook Pro. Courtesy Doug Smith for taking this photo. What's in my hand? I, I, guys, I, I'm an orthodox nerd. Okay, you know this. I, I, I can't do much but make videos. And that's what God was calling us to give back to him. <laughs> when we got that call from Paul Tremontosi, I wish that I could tell you that we dropped to our knees and that the angels sang and the beam of light came from, Yes, Lord, we'll go! Uh -uh. We actually acted more like Moses than I think we care to admit. We came up with all kinds of excuses. Well, 
God's using us in a pretty great way with where we are. We really like our home. We really love our friends. We're involved at Spring Valley Community Church. We really don't want to leave Spring Valley. We're having a baby. People ask us all the time, are, so you're taking the baby? No. no. Yes, we're taking the baby. <laughs> we're going to pull her. We literally had just told our families and the world that we were having a baby. And all of a sudden, within weeks, we're going to tell everybody, sorry, we're taking your new granddaughter away from you. We had all kinds of excuses, my friends. All kinds of excuses. And so we went into a, a season of fasting and prayer, much like what you'll go through uh, next week. And we did a Daniel fast. It's how we make decisions. Daniel fast, you might be familiar with it. You uh, can't have sugar or caffeine or meat or bread. Basically, anything that brings you joy, you can't have. And <laughs> Sorry, Lord. I, we're very joyful about the Daniel fast. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I get a little fired up sometimes, especially, you know, when I'm not caffeinated. And we're sitting on our futon, looking at each other on day eight. And we've been praying, and we're talking about this possibility. And we're, we're kind of, we made a pros and cons list. And we're weighing like, okay, so we want to know that we are ultimately in God's will. Because that's like the thing that scares the most out of us like we don't want to be out of God's will because the worst stuff happens when you're not in God's will we just want to be in God's will so is he really calling us because we said if you want us to consider going to IMM we had to get a phone call ah that was that was our out and so we're, we're looking at this situation and I looked at Alicia and said if not this then what if not this then what if not going to a, a place where we would have a global platform, doing work in 70 languages, utilizing the gifts that God has given us uniquely. I'll tell you this, we, we didn't know even when we got married how God would bring together our two seemingly polar opposite callings. I mean, I'm a nerd, Alicia's a people person and administrative and just has all of this. She, she's the preacher, not me. And me, I sit behind a clickety-clack behind a computer. How is God going to bring that together? And this, it started to become clear that this was the answer. And the real moment that God brought it together for us was much like what happened to Moses. See, when God was talking to Moses, he said, I am the God of Abra the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. He reminded Moses of who he is. God did that same thing for us. He reminded Alicia of a dream that she had when she was in her early teenage years. This was a recurring dream that happened multiple times. And she was, with, uh, she was on a black and white map of Western Europe. And she was with Jesus. And they were dancing and singing and laughing and having a great time. And as this was happening color was seeping back into the map. God had called both of us to something way before we could ever have imagined. He wrote our story before we even opened the cover. 
God reminded us that he had it under control. So we followed God's call. We said yes. We resigned our jobs that we love. We haven't been to Spring Valley in six months. We've begun the process of, we've driven 14,800 miles since we started this process under a year ago. It's five months to our year one. We have made a very difficult decision from an earthly level to leave everything that's comfortable, to sell or give away everything that we own. If you've been coveting anything that we have, come put a tag on it. We'll fill in the price. And, <laughs> and we're following God's will because we just want to walk in the reality that he has placed before us. Now, not everyone is called to lead people out of slavery, out of captivity. Not everyone is called to go uh, move to Europe to make videos that tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even so, I think there are a number of things that we can learn from Moses about how God uses us right where we're at. The first is this. God uses us in spite of what we've done. And that's the story throughout the Bible. I mean, come on. Open the pages. You want to see some weirdos. Like you, you feel like a weirdo? You have such an incredible amount of company in the Bible. God's using old people, young people, liars, those who have been abused, prostitutes, adulterers, those who have gone bankrupt, warriors, short people, sick people. God is in the redemption business. He uses us in spite of what we've done. Secondly, God wants your heart, not necessarily your talent. He'll take your talent too, by the way. God's not always going to call you to do something that's really uncomfortable or way outside of where you're a 10. But first, God wants your heart. And he wants your whole heart. Maybe you feel like you don't have anything to offer. I assure you, you do. God wants to know that you're willing and he'll use a willing heart to do great things. And I think God's Moses to, uh, message to Moses was simply this. Go, I am sending you, I am with you always. Go, I am sending you, I am with you always. And coincidentally, that's the same message that Jesus gives to his disciples, and therefore us in Matthew in a very, very prolific verse. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God has called us all. Not just us. Not just the Matthiases. Not just the Irelands. Not just people who are moving to some faraway land to go do... And let me tell you this. Missions, I always thought missions was another line on the, on the envelope. Missions is people. Missions is souls around the world. People who have never heard. There are 883 unreached people groups in Europe. In Europe place that has had the gospel for millennia. Missions is people. Missions is people like the Matthiases and like us who are 
just trying to be in the will of God and do what he has called us to do that all would know. Who are you being called to reach? Maybe it's not someone across an ocean. Maybe it's someone across the street in this zip code at your workplace. I don't know. Who is it? More importantly, what are your excuses? I want to think about today some of the ways that we prevent God from using us. Kind of like Moses. Maybe it's your past. Maybe you don't feel that God could change you or that you could be used because people know what you've done. They know what you're like. Maybe you're a different person at work than you are at home, than you are at church. He who has began a good work in you is faithful to carry it on to the day of salvation. Maybe it's not trusting that God has figured it out. He has. God's got it all done. I'm sure you could think of some times in your life where you feel like you're being led to something. God has it all figured out. Maybe it's a lack of confidence. Ah, God can't use me. Psalm 139, 14 says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And in Genesis, God tells us that we are made in His image. You are uniquely you for a reason. It doesn't have to look like someone else. Your call doesn't look like someone else's call. Your involvement in doing something for God does not look like someone else's necessarily. Remember, it's between you and him. Maybe it's an unwillingness to go. We had that for a little bit. But God's with us always. Even when he asks us to do uncomfortable things. It can be uncomfortable to think about maybe some of the darker parts of our lives where maybe our actions, our output don't align with our values and even maybe corporately how what we believe in doesn't necessarily happen on a day to day basis God's calling us to send and to also be sent can I pray for you today let's pray together Lord we acknowledge your presence here with us. We want to be used by you in the best possible way. Lord, wherever you say to go, we will go. Whatever you say to do, we will do. Even if it's uncomfortable. God, we want you to be glorified by our lives. I pray for those that maybe feel like they have been giving you excuses. Let us give them over to you today and understand that you use ordinary people and unlikely people to do extraordinary things. Thank you, Lord, for your leadership, for your guidance, Lord, and for the, the power of your Holy Spirit without which we could do nothing. In Jesus' name.